If you have a Bible with you this morning, and you should every week, I always say it every week that we want to open our Bibles. And uh, yeah, I really want to encourage you going forward, but every week, bring a Bible, either a printed version or have it on your phone, a tablet. We do have Bibles at the back. If you don't own one, you could grab one and have it with you this morning. And if you don't own one, you can take it home with you. That's what they're here for, actually. This morning, what I'm going to ask you to do is put your finger in two places. So two fingers, maybe. Uh, Luke 24 and Acts 1. All right? We are, listen, this is, this is quite amazing. We are finishing the gospel of Luke today. Well, I don't know if we should be excited about that, but okay. <laughs> all right. Okay, I know why some people are excited. That's all right. That's totally all right. But here, here's a couple of fun facts for you. We go through books of the Bible here at the Rock Church. That's something we feel is good and healthy. And a big book like Luke has taken a long time. So we take some breaks in between for Christmas Advent series, Easter, mini-series in between and so forth. But actually, we started the Gospel of Luke on, what is the date? December 3rd, 2017. So almost 2018, right? And uh, it, it's, it's a long book. And so we took some breaks. And then, of course, we had the pandemic. A couple of fun facts for you. This is the 100th message in the series. A hundred sermons. And so I, I did some math for you, and you might be impressed or maybe not, but basically, you know, I spend about 18 hours a week uh, prepping and preaching because I spend, what, two hours preaching? Just kidding, um, if you're worried. <laughs> and uh, no, but about 18 hours a week, and when you do the math on that, over 100 messages, that is 1,800 hours. And so for you, if you'd been here for all messages, that's approximately 75 hours straight of sermons, right? So that's over three days of time in a book, three days of full-on hearing for you. So just some fun facts. I think, it's a, I think it's an awesome thing, actually, as I look back on it and see some of the things that we've been through in this wonderful book that Luke has given to us. So I'm going to read uh, the last four verses. Yes, four verses of chapter 24, and then we're going to jump to Acts 1. I'm going to read the full text, and this is our last message. I'm going to give you a title. It's all I've got for today. The title at the end of the Gospel of Luke is To Be Continued. It's one of those things, right? Those shows you watch on television, you go, what? What do they, what do they mean by that? It's after watching it for two hours, right? Begin reading with me in verse 50 of chapter 24. And he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, blessing God. Acts 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day that he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking up, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you see him go into heaven. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the inspiration of the word. Thank you for Luke. Thank you for this faithful servant who took the time um, and saw what was going on and, and decided that he needed to do an orderly account, not just for his, his friend Theophilus, but for us today, for anyone who would want to know the story of Jesus so that it would be preserved. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that we, uh, 2,000 years out, we benefit from that. How else would we know? How else would we know, Father, who Jesus is and what you have done if it wasn't for these words that have been recorded faithfully and preserved faithfully. So Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask you today, would you just speak to our hearts today about this ascension of Jesus? Would you help us to see it for what it was but also is? And would you encourage our hearts as we go forth as witnesses of Jesus Christ? And I pray these things in your worthy name, Jesus. Amen. So you're going to remember from last Sunday um, that we heard about we heard three episodes. Luke again records these three interesting episodes um, on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And the first, of course, is the women at the tomb. The angels come and explain some things to them, and then Jesus follows along. Um, what we believe possibly was his aunt and uncle Cleopas and his wife on the road to Emmaus were walking away discouraged, and again. The same message comes to them from Jesus. And then Jesus arrives later that day in an upper room that is closed where his disciples are there and they're wondering, where is he? They've heard he's, he's not been in the tomb. The tomb is empty. It's empty. And he arrives and he's right there in the room with them. And so we saw a, a number of things that, that gave us great confidence in the historical fact of this resurrection. I mean, first the angels say to the women at the tomb, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He's not here, but he has risen. And so in that room upstairs, when Jesus arrived with that, in that room and he stood before his disciples, he again, he said the same thing that the angels had said to the women and that Jesus had said to the two on the road to Emmaus. And he essentially said this in verses 46 and 47, just before our passage today, he said to them, the disciples, thus it is written, speaking about the fact that Everything about him, what would happen to him, who he is, what would be done, was already prophesied throughout the whole Old Testament. And he'd been telling them what needed to happen. And he says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins 
should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So in this this final reminder to his disciples, Luke records, I'm going to suggest to you, a new element that they hadn't thought of yet. Right? Because we see it in Acts that they, they didn't quite get all of this yet. And that new element is to be continued. Jesus came preaching repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand. And now he's saying, this is your turn. You, you're you're going to go and do that. And, and, and he, we see in Acts, as we'll get there, he gives them a geographical and a social destination. The ends of the earth and every nation, tongue, and tribe is the instruction. So this is an unconcluded thing, right? So Jesus tells them that, listen, the message he has been preaching and proclaiming for three and a half years must continue. By the grace of God, it did, right? If it hadn't, we, we, we would not know Christ. We would not be saved from our sins. We, we would not have eternity as our hope. So it's the grace of God. This message that he gave to them and that is given to us is that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. And that message is to be proclaimed, as I said, to a specific location, to all nations beginning right here in your own backyard, boys, Jerusalem. I like using that that terminology, in your own backyard, first of all. Because oftentimes, I've often seen it where I've been sitting in a church and we have missionaries come visit and the mission field is over there. Right, And it's like, yeah, that's why we're sending them over there, because they need to be the ones doing that. You know, the, the mission field, first of all, for you and for I, is right here. It's called Squamish. It's a lovely little town, by the way. Lots of lost people who need to find Jesus. So, so of course, this, this message of the kingdom, which is what it is, is very familiar. Ma- Matthew records it in chapter 28 when we get the Great Commission. So it's a very similar a mission statement that is being given by Luke here and in Acts that Matthew gives, right? Go and Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. I have all authority, so I'm sending you in my power and my authority. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And remember to teach them everything that I commanded you. That's called discipleship. And so this is the great, the great text that we have from him. And then, and then, of course, he finishes his gospel because he then records, as Luke finishes his gospel, he now records this. In verses 48 and 49, he says, you are witnesses of these things. And so Jesus is pointing to his disciples and he goes, so what I've just been telling you about the resurrection and what the Christ must go through, the suffering he must go through, you guys and the women are witnesses to these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So as Luke concludes his gospel, he records, listen, he records Jesus telling his disciples something he's going to repeat actually 40 days later. But first, Luke abruptly, abruptly, that's a good word, uh, ends his gospel by jumping ahead to these verses that we read today. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And so I say jumped ahead because it could be a little bit confusing for us, right? And that's why I'm suggesting this to-be-continued thing because I almost feel like, and I did some research on it, there's no proof or evidence of this, but it almost feels like, for some reason, 
as he's writing Luke, because he writes the book of Acts later, he had to wrap it up quickly. It seems like that anyway. So he, he, he tells this little thing about, first of all, you will be my witnesses, and behold, I'm sending the promise. So wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit, which gets repeated in Acts, but then he jumps to the ascension. And so it's like he, he had to wrap it up, he had to get it finished, and he puts that in there. And so I say that because when we read Acts passage and before the ascension, it says this at the beginning of Acts in verse 3. He presented himself alive at, to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so we know that as Luke begins Acts, he's actually then going back 40 days to, to, to reveal some of the things that happened and fill in the details before the ascension takes place. So that's important just to link up the Gospels, right? I also asked the question to myself this week, why is it Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Like, why not Matthew, Mark, John, Luke? It would seem to make more sense because the to be continued is now Acts. It's next, right? Anybody know the answer? It's, uh, yeah, it's Augustine. He came up with the idea that, you know, the, it was based on when the books were written and John's Gospel came after and the synoptics. Okay, never mind. That's a little aside for you, right? So now let's go back. I want to go back with you after just putting that out there, because it could be confusing what's happening here, because there are repeated items as we get to Acts. Let's go back to his gospel description of the ascension for our key verses today. And we'll just put verses 50 and 51 on screen, and we're going to unpack these a little bit first. And he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. So, like I've said several times before at various points in the gospel, let's just, let's just slow down for a second. Let's, let's just try to imagine this scene. Let's just try to imagine this time and this place. Just two verses that, that talk about the ascension of Jesus Christ on that day. And there's probably 100, 120 men and women there on that day, again, according to uh, Scripture. And so it's 40 days after his resurrection, which is in itself a, a note that we need to understand. Periods of 40 days, you know this in the Old Testament, are significant. But also in the life and times of Jesus Christ, 40 days are rather significant. How did he start his ministry? 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, defeating Satan. Defeating Satan. So 40 days are very significant. Also, it's important for us to see most recently, as I said, so much happened in these 40 days. Much happened. We don't have time to unpack every detail today from the various Gospels that puts it together of what happens on those 40 days. But just a few highlights. The resurrected Jesus, after 40 days of making appearance, after appearance, after appearance to his disciples, and frankly, no others, he did this, and it left no doubt in any of their minds that it was him that he truly rose from the dead. And I love that picture, the idea that it, it, he's like, you know, Thomas, right? It, 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 the, the two on the road to Emmaus. Like in every, Peter, in every specific case, it's like, go ahead. Go ahead. Believe. Do not remain in your unbelief. 
So he, he spends this time making sure that they understand that, yes, at one point in time he was dead and buried, but now he's very much alive. And did they believe it? Yes, they believed it. They recorded it, much to their own danger in those days, recording and repeating it. And many of them, of course, when it comes to the apostles, went to their death because they would not deny it. And so he made every attempt, as I was suggesting to you during these days, to remove all doubt from his disciples. I mean, appearing to 500 people at one time, who Paul tells us, you know, some of them have fallen asleep, but most of them are still here. Just go ask them. And so that was obviously critically important. And 40 days is a significant period of time. It's also very clear that he has some unfinished business to accomplish. So he's, he's going about for 40 days, making sure they have no doubts. Why? Because... You're going to be my witnesses? You're going to be witnesses to this fact? Things are going to get rough. And when things get rough, you're, you're going to need to remember what the mission is. And so he spends these 40 days preaching to them about the kingdom of God, how to get in, what, what, what the beautiful benefits of it are. And he spends all this time just wanting to encourage them that they, they not only have the, me- the mission, but they also have this message. And that, listen, in order for them to be able to accomplish this, because most of them must be going, okay, one second here. I would be, I don't know about you, but you're Jesus. <laughs> you performed miracles. We saw them, right? You defeated death. I don't know about me. I don't know if I have the power to do that, let alone to proclaim that message and to remember all these things that you've commanded us to do. And so, of course, that's the other thing that he wants them to understand. You need to remain in Jerusalem until the power from on high, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you because that's what's going to help you. The helper is going to help you be able to fulfill this mission that I've been giving to you because it must be fulfilled. It must be fulfilled. So Luke records in the intro of his finished work, here on earth, or Jesus is despite the ascension. Luke records in the intro of Acts, and for his good friend Theophilus, one more time, these words. They won't be on screen, but just let me read them to you. He said, in my previous book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do. I remember when we went through the book of Acts, because we did that as well as a church one time. You can find it online. Getting to that point, and you know, if you look in your Bibles right now, it's, it's either got a title at the top of it, the Acts of the Apostles, Right? Or, or it says the, the acts of the Holy Spirit. And, and th- those are both good. They're, they're both awesome. And, and I said at the time when we were going to the book of Acts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a new title based on this, the continuing acts of Jesus Christ. That's how, that's how Luke introduces it in the beginning because he's saying these are all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he'd given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And so we might hear, again, in these words, to be continued in this very text. And so remember this about Jesus. It's where we got the name for our church, right? Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build what? My church. I will build my church. Well, listen, at this point in time, the church hasn't started yet. And so Jesus promised that he would build his church. Is the Holy Spirit involved? Oh, yeah. Must be. Very much involved. 
Also, we, we know in Ephesians 4, and we've been through this as a church, 11 to 16, that it is Jesus Christ himself who gives gifted men and women to the church. They're called apostolic people, prophetic, evangelists, pastors, shepherds, teachers. Jesus is the one who's giving them to the church. When? Back then? Oh, man, I hope he's still doing it today. He is, of course, still doing that today. So it is Jesus who is doing the building of his church, and he's using you and I in the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish this, this amazing and wonderful work. So there's more here, but as you can see, these were pretty busy 40 days for Jesus. You know, I've, I've done a few biblical classes and teaching classes, and man, he spent a lot of time in those 40 days communicating this message. And it must have been good because it seems once the Holy Spirit came upon them, they remembered it, and they preached it, and they taught it, and they wrote it. So let's get to this day the day of the ascension. Here's how this day unfolds for us. And I want, again, to like just allow you to form a picture in your mind of what's going on here. It's probably late in the afternoon on this day. It's the day Jesus knows that he's leaving. And he leads them, um, most likely past the Garden of Gethsemane, where he prayed on the night before he was betrayed and died. And then he takes them, we read in Luke, um, as far as Bethany, it says. But then in Acts, it says to the Mount of Olives. And so, of course, skeptics like to go, ha, there you go. Yeah. Little inconsistency there, right? Not at all. Uh, in fact, uh, what would have happened there is that Jesus did take them to the Mount of Olives because he's on a mountaintop and there's sky above where he ascends, where they saw this. But the reality is, is that as they're on this Mount of Olives, at the top of the Mount of Olives, they would see still just over the crest of the hill the lights of Jerusalem and right down below, Bethany, the home of Lazarus and Mary and Martha where Jesus liked to spend a lot of his time. So this is the place where he would ascend. And then look at this. They settle on the mountain, and we're going to put hopefully this verse back on screen. We read the words that can so quickly flash by us. Meditate on these words. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. So quickly you can go by these, right? Just he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. It's lovely. Luke doesn't record, none of the gospel writers record related to the ascension what Jesus said. We don't know the actual words of his blessing. Luke tells us that what Jesus pr- doesn't tell us what he prayed over them, just that it was a blessing. So we are simply told he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. So let's look at these actions. He lifted up his hands to bless them. You and I have often seen this. If you've been part of a ecclesiastically liturgical church, uh, whether Anglican or any kind of high-type church, even at the Rock Church, even in traditional Protestant churches, every once in a while you'll see at the end of a service, and in very faithful churches, you probably would see it every Sunday, uh, where the pastor or the minister will hold up his hand and give a benediction. It's a blessing over you as you go. Where do you think that idea came from? Oh, right here. It's intended, as I said, to be a blessing over you as you go. So from this, of course, we we have to understand that, well, this is Jesus giving the blessing. And so it, it has to mean much, much more than that. And yes, it does. 
Let me put it this way. These are his hands. Do you see them? Can you picture them? I want to suggest to you the disciples certainly did. I mean, for 40 days they've been walking up to him going, can you show those to us one more time? Like Thomas wasn't the only one who needed to see the hands of Jesus. These are the same hands that they'd seen for three and a half years, touching and healing the unclean and the sick. Same hands. Touching the leper, the lame, the blind, the sinful of all types. These hands blessed and touched loaves of bread, fish and multiplied them. They, they had commanded storms to cease and to go completely 100% calm. I love the words of the old-time preacher Charles Spurgeon when he said this, his hands were blessed hands and nothing but blessing had ever come from them. Now, even more so, as they peered onto his hands, they saw that his hands were the resurrected, pierced for our transgression hands, right? That's what they're seeing. That, that, that's who they're seeing blessing them. So again, do you see them now? Can you picture them? Friends, I want us to grasp this today. These are the hands that they saw, and based on seeing those hands, they knew him. This is how they recognized him on the road to Emmaus when he broke the bread. This is how the disciples recognized him in that upper room. That's how Thomas recognized him and was offered the opportunity to put his hand in and went, my Lord and my God. He just saw the hands and his pierced side, and he believed. And, and listen, listen. These are the same hands that you and I, if we are in Christ here today, are going to see the minute we see him. I, I don't even think we're going to have to look for them. I think he's going to show us his hands and say, come into your rest. Those are the hands of Christ. I mean, can you just imagine? Just, just imagine. And here's the other thing. This is the part that blows me away as I've been praying about this and thinking about this this week. The God of the universe decided to leave the heavenlies where there's no sin, there's no decay, there's no corruption, there's no us. And, and, and to come into humanity in flesh as a man, as a baby to start with, and then to live 30 years in relative obscurity where nobody really knows who he is, right? And then he goes on from there to, to suffer on the cross, die for the sins of the world. He's scarred and marred for your sake and for my sake. And guess what? He's alive today as a man in heaven, as God and a man in heaven, and he will have those scars on his body for all of eternity. You and I are going to get new ones. He's keeping that body. 
and he's keeping those hands for all of eternity. Do you see them yet? You will. You really, really will. And these in this picture here are the hands that are blessing them on that day. And they are the same hands that, listen, are blessing you and I right here today. So what's key for us to see here is whom he is bestowing this blessing on. The text tells us it's them. This blessing is for his chosen ones, for his disciples, specifically for them. I I love the way the language works in the New Testament. It's a fantastic picture. And, And one aspect of that blessing is that in this case, it's a very different blessing than one we're going to see next week. We're going to be looking at the word blessed in many different ways in the weeks to come in a brand new series. I'm probably giving you a little bit of a hint and giving it away maybe, right? But this is a different word. As we'll see next week, it's a very different word. This word means something completely different. It literally means this, to ask God to bestow divine favor upon. So that's what Jesus is doing in his benediction here, showing his hands. He's asking that his heavenly father would bestow a blessing on them, a divine blessing on them, his disciples. So again, it's it's the same idea. It's not as powerful as when a pastor gives a benediction. But it's the same idea, more significant on that day. So for a moment, what could he possibly be praying when he's asking for this blessing? What could be some of his thoughts? Well, if you remember the Gospel of John in chapters 14 and 15, Jesus had been speaking to disciples, kind of preparing them for the future and, and saying, listen, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Don't worry. It's going to be a mansion. It's going to be awesome. But, but they're like, hold on. We have no idea where you're actually going. And they get a little worried about all this, right? And then he says to them, well, uh, uh, he tells them that he will pray to the Father, right? He will pray to the Father, and the Father will send them a helper, who is the Holy Spirit, And then Jesus says, this won't be on screen, but I'll read it for you. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So this is his blessing over them. Luke has recorded twice for us that Jesus tells them to stay in Jerusalem until the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit will come and his blessing will be fulfilled on that day and every day, including today, because then we read in verse 51, while he blessed them, he departed from them and was carried up into heaven. I believe I I did last Tuesday at Missional Community Group, we were talking about last Sunday's message and uh, some of the things we learned in that, and then I was looking forward to this Sunday. And I, I try not to do that because then I give away the sermon, you know. Maybe people won't show up. But anyway, I was, but what I was saying was is that, come on, we, we have, we have a, a, a day set aside to celebrate the incarnation, right? We have Christmas, and it's awesome, right? We have a day set aside to celebrate the resurrection. We have Good Friday even. Like, we have a day to celebrate that. And we should, and we have Good Friday. We have the Easter Sunday. We have the Resurrection Sunday. Days set aside to celebrate that. And I was thinking this week, like, what about the Ascension? It's rather significant. Well, we don't literally celebrate it very much in these days. 
Um, but it is coming. And for those of you who might be interested, it happens a number of days after, right? And it's going to happen this year on May 27th. So again, it's 40 days after the day that we celebrate the resurrection is actually the day that we should be or could be celebrating the ascension. So anybody want to, it's a Thursday, if you want to join me, we'll celebrate on that day. How about we do it right now today? That's what we're doing. So the last thought I want to leave you here from this verse is that while he was blessing them, this, this is given in the present perfect tense. And so it, it's, you, you can just imagine they're watching him, but as he's, as he's leaving out of their sight, the blessing continues. It doesn't end. He's not finished. He was carried up while blessing them, and he continues to bless them, and he's continuing to do that every day for those who are his. And so again, let me ask the question. Do you see the hands? Do you see the hands? Well, in his gospel, Luke ends after that picture with these words, which are really beautiful. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple blessing God. So so listen, they watched in amazement as he was carried up into heaven. Not by angels or some mystical energy. He literally, in his own power, raised and ascended. And so they are now worshiping him as what? Lord and Savior. (laughs) The same thing that Thomas declared. Now they're, they're, they're... clearly worshiping him in that way. They know who he is, and and they brought, yeah, and this brought them to worship him and to be continually together. Can you imagine, again, they've experienced this together. They've, They've walked with him for three and a half years. They've been through all kinds of struggles. They've seen him crucified, dead, buried, risen from the dead, and and they've had some battles with each other. They had a betrayer amongst them. But we're reading here that they're continually together. And now they're in the temple returning blessings to God for him and for what he has done. But before this all happens, Luke records one more detail in Acts. In verses 10 and 11, it says this, And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So it would, it would appear, and you can just imagine this. I don't know if many of you have watched any uh, launches from Cape Canaveral or whatever in Florida. Like if people are looking up, you know, just like, it's going and it's going and it's going. And then they separate and it keeps going and it's going. I can just imagine on that day they're just looking up and they're watching and he's, it's, he's just becoming a faint speck. And they're still watching. It's a beautiful picture. But then for our benefit, the angels tell us something very important. Tell them and tell us something very important and crucial at that point. What they say is, listen, this Jesus, this Jesus, the one with those hands, This Jesus will come again. And listen, it's one of the most significant teachings in the scripture about the certainty of this. 
He will come again just like that, in that way. Now, I'm a little bit more weird than some of you here, if you haven't come to know that. But I'm down here uh, the other day in this closed place, which is... Anyway, I'm working on the sermon around this point, and I'm, I'm driving home, and it's sunny. But there's a little puffy cloud over there as I'm going up Mamquam by the golf course, and I've got my steering wheel, I'm going... Okay, I know I'm weird. Shouldn't we be doing that? Shouldn't we be looking? We're told that's how he's going to come again. So a few takeaways as we conclude this morning. In his Acts account, Luke tells us that during the 40 days, Jesus continued speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And despite all that, he taught them that they still, and he's teaching them that, and still, he's been doing that for 40 days, and still in verse 6, it again won't be on screen, they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore your king to Israel? Like, are you going to do that now? Guys, um, to be continued, have you not gotten this yet, right? Like, this is what he keeps telling them. So they don't get it, and it's almost almost like Jesus is actually, I think it's a gentle rebuke, but um, he tells them that... It's not for them to know these things. This is not for you to know. And then he uses these words. The Father has fixed this day, this time, and by his authority and his authority alone. And then, as I've already mentioned earlier, he gives them the geographical and the social directions for the Great Commission In verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you, you, and you, and you, and me, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So a question, what happens with the disciples? Right? They, they, they continually get together, they hunker down inside a room, and, and they, just, they, just, they just start praying for Jesus to come back in the clouds. Well, no. Thankfully, after replacing Judas, they keep praying and waiting, and then 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, it happens, the Holy Spirit comes upon them with great, great power. Every man, woman, disciple of Jesus who's there at that time who receives the Holy Spirit starts preaching and proclaiming the excellencies of God in languages that they don't even know so that others can hear them preaching in these their own languages from all the nations in the world at that time who are there to hear these words. And then Peter, right? Peter, The restored Peter gets up and preaches the best gospel sermon of all time. 5,000 people on that day come to faith in Jesus Christ, are baptized throughout Jerusalem, and guess what? The church of Jesus Christ is born. Amen? Do they hunker down and just do homeschooling from that point on? Homeschooling's awesome. Please hear me, okay? No! They get together all week blessing each other and giving to each other and breaking bread together and and, and doing church gatherings together. And then what do they do? They go. They go. They preach the gospel. They proclaim the kingdom of God. So friends, let me encourage you today. King Jesus is on his throne. Please say amen. A little louder. Amen. Amen. 
He's on his throne today. The kingdom of God is now, right? Yes, we live in what we call kingdom now, but not yet fully realized. But we know it's going to be fully realized. Amen? Amen. So friends, let me encourage you. Let's you and I be his witnesses, boldly, in our own backyard, first of all, wherever we are. And let me just encourage you, when persecution or or opposition comes, keep looking up. Do you see his hands? I think you will. Pray with me, would you?